VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yo, technology, what is it all about? Leading up to that reveal, I was basically throwing up <laughs> up until the moment of, of doing it because I was so nervous about mm. how it was going to be accepted and would it work. That was stressful on a completely different kind of level. That was putting my whole heart and soul out there, right? Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds from the top people in tech. This week, I'm going to start with like a little quiz question for you, a little trivia. Do you recognize any of the following brand names? Lordstown, Nikola, Hylion, Rivian, Lucid, Neo? For most of you, the answer is probably a no. But many, many billions of dollars are riding on the bet that when we look back at this year, or perhaps next year, but right, you know, this time frame, it will be then that a few of these names will have really established themselves and on their way to becoming instantly recognizable big brands like Ford, like Land Rover, like Porsche. You see where I'm going here. Tesla is not alone anymore. For the past few months, there has been a flurry of activity where previously under-the-radar electric vehicle startups have suddenly been raising tons of money, billions and billions of dollars, to really make a push like never before to really try to unseat the internal combustion engine and upend the global car market. These obviously are very big bets, and I can tell you that as I record this under a nuclear orange sky due to the wildfires that are raging all around me here in California. It is really surreal. It's really kind of climate change in our face in a way that's it's really visceral. The idea that electric cars could finally break through and help ease the planetary burden that travel imposes, that's a pretty exciting prospect. Now most of these newcomers are going to fail, but some will make it. And so this week's guest is one of those starry-eyed dreamers who reckons that he can be one of those who who makes it and gets a brand new electric car company off the ground, which would be no small task because I've done some research around this and, you know, the last brand new car company until Tesla did it was Hyundai or Hyundai, depending on where you are, um, which did it back in the 60s. This doesn't happen very often and now all of a sudden you have, you know, a whole new generation of companies coming out of nowhere thinking that they can do it and do it with electric cars. So this week's guest is one of them. His name is Robert Bollinger, and he's the founder of Bollinger Motors, and they're making a 
pickup truck and some more heavy duty, what they call sport utility trucks. They'll be all electric. And he's been funding this whole caper. Uh, he's been doing it for, since 2015. He's funded it entirely on his own until very recently. Brought some investors, which we'll talk about. But I decided it's a really interesting story. Robert's personal story is interesting. Uh, just as a founder, uh, he does not have a background in cars at all. So just the idea of doing something that until very recently seemed impossible, even for Tesla, which is Recently as last year, people were still talking about, is this going to survive? Are they going to go bankrupt, etc.? So just that whole journey is really interesting. And just the broader context of what is happening with electric cars, how difficult this is, the money that is being thrown at the industry, you know, and again, chances are that most will not survive, but, you know, a few probably will. It's a, it's a really interesting time, and Robert's got a great story. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. So that's it. I will stop talking and hand you over to Robert Bollinger, founder of Bollinger Motors. Enjoy. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's great. Thank you. So um, as I mentioned, we've been kind of diving into this whole world of electric cars and there's lots of action happening and we're going to get to kind of where we are now but i was wondering if we could kind of go back to how you got here so what you were doing before and why and when you decided to start what was your previous career before doing this right before this was running a organic hair care company and that was john masters organics and that was with uh i was a business partner in that and we sold that in 2013 and then sold it again in 2016, which is always nice to be able to do that. You sold it twice. Yeah, we sold 70% of it to our Japanese distributor and then we sold them. And then all of us sold the whole thing to someone in uh, Europe. Premiera, right? Premiera, yeah. So that's the funds that I had available to do this with. So I was fortunate enough to have that and uh, go back and try to do something crazy with it. That's consumed <laughs> me now for the last five and a half years. So how long were you doing John Masters Organics in your kind of previous life? Yeah. So that I was doing for about 20 years, actually. Well, I helped him with the logo and he ran the company for like the first 10 years and I ran it for like the last 10 years. But I was doing the first 10 years as well as advertising. So it was a whole bunch of, I was doing a whole bunch of stuff in New York. But basically the last 10 years before I started this was running John Masters Organics, and that's when we sold it in 2013 and 2016, gave me the funds to start this. So, But before that, if you want to go back to the why the hell I was doing that. So, uh, yeah, I went to school for industrial design, wanted to be a car designer. Went on a couple of interviews. They said, nope, you're an industrial designer. You're not a car, car designer. So I went to New York City and got a job there because I was going to save money to go to grad school. And of course, when you move to New York City or any big city, you can't save a penny. So I ended up being there and I started app in my uh, advertising career. Yeah, it was advertising and design. And that was basically doing that for 20 years. And then the 20 years of John Masters overlapped that. So eventually left advertising, worked solely on the John Masters product of COO, basically. Yeah. And so when we sold that, I was owner, part owner by that time. And that's uh, gave me the funds to do this. So. Yeah, I was in New York City for like 25 years and then upstate New York for another eight. 
And where where are you now, right now? Outside Detroit. Got you. Just north of Detroit. Right. Why Detroit? Well, it's it's where all the engineers are for automotive. It's where all the vendors are. But at first, I was trying to hire engineers to come to upstate New York, where we were building the first, wanted to build the first prototype. And everyone was, got a number of people, three or four guys who came and worked on it. We built the whole first prototype together. That was great. Small team, working crazy hours, and just built what we wanted to build. And then after we debuted that in 2017, we got a lot of great response. I was like, okay, now we need to really build a team. And so I tried to hire engineers to come to New York from Detroit. And they all said, no, why would we do that? We don't know who you are. And, and you know, this is where we're rooted. Right. So uh, I came here to do some interviews. I came here to check on some vendors. And I was like, oh, now I get it. It's just like the whole place is automotive, as you would guess. But uh, it was my first time in Detroit. So I came here and uh, realized, oh, we just we have to move here. So we did that two years ago now. We've been here two years. And so can we, so you started this when, when was it in uh, 2015? Yeah, our first uh, employee, our first person on the team was Carl Hacken, and he started June of 2015. So before he started, it was all theory, right? So as soon as he started as an engineer, I knew what he was doing, and then we could start. So that's, that's kind of like our anniversaries, gotcha. June of 2015. And just... Uh... Why? I guess the, the the most basic question is, why do this? But it sounds like you've kind of had the, the car gene going back to university days or perhaps before. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, drawing cars, drawing houses. It's kind of funny. I, was, I would draw cars, draw houses. I was wondering if I wanted to be a car designer, an architect, or an engineer. So, in a way, the cars kind of, you know, the trucks we have now are kind of like rolling, kind of like rolling houses. <laughs> they're so square. So, they're like architectural uh, vehicles, if you will. So uh, I guess maybe all those kind of things came together. But always about cars. knew all, everything about every knew everything about cars except I wasn't a gearhead. You know, I wasn't the kind. Of, I wasn't the kid who fixed them. I was the one who drew them and knew the names of things and stuff like that. So obviously that doesn't get you anywhere until you hire engineers who do know what they're doing. So uh, thank God we had uh, the right people who joined the team and got it started. And obviously, building a, starting a car company from scratch is um, it's not a cheap endeavor. Stupid. <laughs> but, Say, uh, just call it what it is. Anyway. And I know that, like, it's a you huge know, huge risk, obviously. Yeah, well, and Premier, I know, spent something like whatever three hundred forty million dollars on John Masters. So I'm sure you did quite well out of that. But um, how are your finances these days? Good, good, good. I've been I've had the luxury of financing the, the whole gig up until recently. So we're now, you know, getting in investors and we'll have some uh, bigger stuff to announce about that soon. But yeah, it's up until recently, it was all me. So, which was great in the sense of we could just make quick decisions and just do them and grow and get there. But then also you do obviously want to start bringing in other investors who vet everything that you're doing and that brings on more investors. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. So uh, that's all happening now. So that's good. And it's the right time. So it's it all it's all working out the way we planned it. So well, this is what kind of why I'm so interested is that you know the summer has been kind of like the summer of electric cars. Um, if you just look at like just the billions flowing into all of these companies that you know people outside of this world have never heard of before, all of a sudden there's you know we're giving Rivian you know billions of dollars or Nikola billions of dollars. 
do you have a sense of kind of why that is happening while all of a sudden there is this rush of money to this place that outside of tesla basically people weren't really willing to bet on for years yeah yeah i guess a big part of it was tesla right because they just recently became profitable is that true yeah yeah i'm not really following up too closely anymore but um they are doing well obviously and then strangely enough covid had i think had a big part of that because auto sales were down 90 percent or whatever right in every country around the world but evs weren't and so the ev trend kept going and so that was a, a i think a part of it and then also with people who have tons of money, they're like, oh my gosh, what do we do with money now? And so they're betting on something that's the future, past COVID, past all this stuff, right? So in a way, I think COVID definitely had a play in, in all the, the tons of money going into electric right now. But obviously Tesla's the big one, the big elephant in the room. They created everything, right? They're the whole reason why I'm doing this. They're, they're the whole reason why anyone's attempting this is how great Elon has been able to make that company. So if they were doing poorly this summer, if they if their sales were down 95%, none of this would happen. Right. And that's what's interesting, right? So you go back going back to 2015, Tesla's future was still very much kind of up for debate as whether this company oh, was yeah. either going to survive and it's had a few near death experiences since then, not to mention yeah. the various ones it had before. So why make this bet? Why put all of your personal money into this thing that even at that point Tesla was founded in 2003, so it was, what, 12 years old by then, and still hadn't even sniffed profitability or scale manufacturing or really any kind of proof of that this could be a viable business. Yeah, I think at that point, right around that time or soon after that, they were almost, everyone was thinking they were going to go under. Yeah. Right around that time, I think, and soon right after. Uh, Well, my goal was to have a car company, right? So as a kid, when I was drawing cars, I was drawing logos, and I was like, it would be cool if I could make my own thing. So when I was like, okay, let's try this. Cause everything's been a little step along the way. Like I was like, let me just try this. Let me, let me get a building and then let me see if I can get someone to help me build this. And then Carl came on board, CJ came on board, John came on board. And so we're building this thing. So everything's always been like, let's just see where this goes. Right. But that goal of having my own car company, when I was starting that in 2015, I thought, well, anyone who's starting something now, it has to be electric. Everything's eventually going to go electric. I just, hmm just assume that I was just like, at some point everything's going to go electric. Even back then when you had very few vendors making electric components, as I found out, <laughs> as I soon found out, <laughs> but uh, that's why Tesla had to make everything in house because nobody was making this stuff. But uh, I just knew everything was going to go electric. It had to be, it's just so much more efficient and electric current comes to every single person's house. So like when people talk about infrastructure and it's not there, I'm like, Oh my God, electric is in almost every building in the world at least in the US. And so I'm like, you can get into the nitty gritty of like, if you're in an apartment building, how do, you, yeah. how do you charge and all that kind of stuff, of course. But electric is everywhere. There's not a gas station in my house, right? So I just knew everything was going to go electric. That was my assumption. And so, and then when we started designing the truck, it was like electric just allows you to come up with a completely new way to lay out the truck, right? So our pass-through, which we get the patent on, is not possible with ICE, you know. The internal combustion. Just the way... Yeah. What do you mean the pass through? So in our truck, we have, uh, first of all, we have a frunk, right? So the, the front trunk that everyone's calling it now. Right. So we have like eight cubic feet of space in the, in the front. And so uh, I was like, well, there's no longer a firewall. There's no, there's no thing on the other side of that wall, right? So what if we just put a hole through there? 
and then you have this pass through from the passenger compartment into the into the trunk. And so we filed for it and we got the patent. So that allows in the B1, our four door B1 allows 13 foot boards inside. So that's twice as long as what most pickups can hold inside our SUV. Got you. And then our B2 pickup truck can hold 16 foot boards. So it's just a simple little opening, but it changes the entire way you can use your truck. How often do you do that? Well, when you've been at Home Depot and you're like, ah, I can't take this home right now, you know, you know, It's not, it's not every day, but it's a nice feature. So that um, all-wheel drive all the time uh, by having two, one motor on each axle. Um, and they're talking to each other, obviously, all the time and all the controls that you can put into it. So and just the efficiency of it, you know, the electric drivetrains are 95% efficient, whereas gas is 22% efficient and the rest is heat and smoke. Would it, when you say that 95% efficient, what exactly does that mean? The amount of power being consumed by your drivetrain is to, is available at the road surface for propulsion. Right. So only 5% of it is per, lost. So it, it change, yeah, changes per vehicle. But, right. And that's lost through, you know, your gears and just the, that kind of stuff. But there's nothing burning and giving off all of your energy in a different kind of way. Well, one of the things I think is interesting too is this idea that like you guys have these I guess you call them kind of utility trucks, but you also are looking at a pickup truck as are several others like Nikola, like Rivian. And I think it's really interesting because especially in America, like the pickup truck is a thing. It's like a cultural thing and it's a very unique thing to this market, but it feels like also if you can kind of build a, you know, for lack of a better term, a badass pickup truck that is electric that could be some point somehow kind of a breakthrough moment for electric cars. I don't know if that's part of what was part of your thinking, but it does feel like pickup trucks are this unique thing that they, and they're a huge section of the market here in a way that they're not in other places. Right. Well, the idea, you know, we did start with the SUV, but the idea was always to have a pickup truck and we debuted that last year. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. So that was always the plan, but really it's, we're also class three, our vehicles are class three. So the idea was from the very beginning was, you know, in the way that if you could say that Tesla, you know, there's a remember there's so many bad thoughts about electric, probably all created by the gas, you know, mm. the petroleum industry. But anyway, it was all like, you know, electric is so weak and ridiculous and all this kind of stuff. And Tesla turned everything all that around, right? And almost like kind of made electric sexy, if you will. Yeah. Fast, right? And so what I want to do is make electric powerful and strong. And so that's why we went with a class three truck so that our trucks hold, you know, 4,000 to 5,000 pounds and all the different capabilities. Like one, uh, one aspect of everything about our trucks is that it's electric. It's electric, but also has 15 inch ground clearance. It could also hold 5,000 pounds. You can also hold 13 foot board. So the whole idea was to make this super utilitarian truck that you can use in a million different kinds of ways, yeah. including off going off road, you can have fun with it on the weekend and it's your work truck during the week. And so I wanted all those aspects in the truck and electric helped me make that. It, it wasn't just like, let's take a truck, pick a truck as we know it and put and make it electric. Others are doing that. I would say other brands are doing exactly that. They're taking exactly what you expect of a truck and making an electric version of it. That's fine. They'll sell tons of them, but we wanted a truck that was just 10 times better than what you expect. Or ten times better than what you're used to, right? And so that's why we have the pass through. That's why we have portal gear hubs. That's why we have hydro pneumatic suspension, so it's adjustable. 
you can raise it and lower it 10 inches. So it's our truck is just, it's crazy. If people know what's in our trucks, that they do the research or they watch what we're, what we're saying online, there's absolutely nothing else at all being, you know, gas, electric or anything that's like it. And that's what we wanted to do. I was like, why bother doing this? Why, why bother spending all my money to make something that someone else is going to make? Right. So it ends up being an expensive vehicle, ends up being a high price tag, but that's the reality of it. So How expensive is it going to be? Well, we put out the price point last year. It's 125000 Right. So it's, it's that, uh, what was it that Elon called it, that economic socialism where you come out with something and the people who can afford it and then, and then it creates something that, do we have something that's less expensive in the future? I hope so. Right. But uh, this has six gearboxes, two motors, and again, twice as much the capability of anything. Our ground clearance at highway height is 15 inches. I mean, that's twice the Jeep Rainbow. It's twice, you know, Ford F-150. So. And what is there any one thing in particular? And I'm guessing it would be just the development or the kind of the collapse in prices of lithium ion batteries. Is that the thing that has made what you are trying to do possible where previously it was unthinkable? Well, uh, the price of batteries has not come down that much yet. Everyone puts out those charts and shows and all that kind of stuff and GM or, you know, different huge companies will come out and say they're, you're shooting for a hundred dollar kilowatt hour price or $80, whatever. That's fine. That's after mass market. That's after making incredible deals with your battery provider. That's like paying for half of the development of the battery. There's a lot behind how you get to 80, hundred dollars, $80. The reality is. It's still very expensive. The reality is they're going to be expensive for a long time. The reality is, and we've seen it in Tesla, is that they sold vehicles at a loss for 10 years and it paid off for them now, right? Yeah. Uh, GM, every every GM, you know, every bolt that's sold is at a loss. Every every vehicle that's electric is sold at a loss. It's it's just like a known thing. Until just maybe now, and that's because they're getting to volumes or they're getting to that point of of working with their vendors or making their own batteries in some kind of way to get there, but it's, it's 10 years of work to get there. We're not there. We're only five years old, Yeah. but we have a great battery vendor that we're going to announce soon. And it's just, it's really volume. It's volume and manufacturing. And, but that breakthrough that makes them like incredibly less expensive. And that's, that's only half of it because they have to get incredibly more dense as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, power dense, uh, energy dense. Sorry. So you funded this with your own money. Did you ever start out, like, did you, when you were first starting out, did you talk to investors then? And I presume you've talked to various potential investors along the way. How has, like, the kind of the temperature changed in the room when you have those discussions over the years? Really, for the first four years, I did not talk to investors because I had enough on my plate, if you will. Yeah. It's really just been the past year that we've started doing it on real, any real effort. And so, of course, this year it's crazy. So we've had a lot of SPACs. You know, if you want to get into a little SPAC discussion. Yeah. We've had a lot of SPACs come to us and it's not the right time. These are these cash cash shells that are listed already that people are investing into like Nikola. Yeah, and it's what Nikola did. It's what Hylian did. It's what uh, Lordstown did. A lot did. Yeah. And, it's, and that's not just electric vehicles. I think it's seven out of 10 IPOs that have happened this year have been SPACs. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's part of the Jobs Act, you yeah. know, this kind of stuff. But anyway, we have certain announcements and certain things that are going to happen soon that are going to kind of be different for us. And so uh, when specs came around right now, it wasn't the right time. 
but obviously that's a huge, huge, nice thing for a company, right? Like all of a sudden, hey, here's here's two hundred million dollars plus to get your uh, vehicle on the road. So of course, it's a great thing for electric. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns. But I'm thinking specifically about, say, Nikola, for example, which, you know, it's a private company. They do this reverse merger into a cash shell. And today they're worth $16 billion. They have not produced a truck. Right. And you kind of think about that and you're like, what, how, you know. Didn't they just get an investment from GM? And they got, yeah, like a $2 billion the, investment $2 billion. from GM. Yeah. Not actual cash, but like in, in kind, yeah. engineering, whatever. But still, that's $2 billion in the Badger pickup truck, which is not, they haven't even made a prototype. That's a that's a rendering. So there's it's crazy. <laughs> $2 billion into a picture, basically. Yeah, that's because they're doing fuel cell, you know, and so GM is investing in diversifying their portfolio, if you will, I'm guessing, and saying, okay, we've got to put some money into the fuel cell possibility yeah. as well as a straight electric so that's for a different reason so it's not necessarily that they need to make another pickup truck yeah plenty of pickup trucks but yeah it's just it's a crazy year of i think again i think covid just got people scared of what's going to happen financially and say they sold all their stocks yeah they're afraid of the stock market you know just to put it in big general terms where do you put all that money now and so they're betting on this which which again will just make all the vendors who haven't switched over yet? Who are still doing ice products? They'll switch over. All the uh, all the auto parts makers are going to have to start yeah. getting in the game, basically. Yeah, and a lot of our vendors, the ones who thought about it a couple of years ago and started doing it, and so that's who we're working with. But it's just it's just going to speed up the entire industry to switch over one hundred percent. So I'm all for it. So and just to go back to that question of you know having kind of plowed your own furrow for a long time, have you been surprised that just all of a sudden this kind of burst of enthusiasm by the people with money 
Yeah, yeah. And it, I keep going back to thinking when we went to the LA Auto Show with our first prototype in 2017, we had it. And when you open up the, the hood in the front gate and you see that there's no engine there and then people stop and they're like, what is this? There's a lot of like, this is electric? What? You know, this kind of thing. When yeah. we went back last year with our four-door B1 and B2, everyone's like, oh yeah, it's electric. Of course it's electric. Tell me tell me what else it has. And so the mindset just in those two years of just like the general public was huge. And these are people, this is LA, who already had been buying Teslas for a long time, right? But even just in 2017, they're like, they couldn't understand an electric truck because we were the first one to show something like that. So I almost feel like we're, we're old hats at this. You know, when we were making our first prototype, we had to use a lot of components that were made for buses because it just wasn't motor. There weren't motors or inverters yet for the size that we needed. Now there's a lot more stuff on the market. So these five years has been a huge sea change in tons of ways. But now, you know, you have Volkswagen throwing tons of money at it basically because they had to, right? Yep. And, and everyone's realizing and finally catching up maybe to Tesla, but it's, I'm surprised at how long it took the big guys to uh, come on board. And again, they're all run by finance people. They're all run by accountants, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Nothing against accountants, but, um, you know, until they got to a point where they could feasibly see themselves making a profit within a shorter amount of time, then they got on board. So, so let's assume for a moment that we are now in 2030. Do you think this year will be seen as the year that it was the kind of the turning point when, or would it be next year when there's going to be more models on the market? You know, the kind of the turning point where, for electric cars where all of a sudden it's like they're nearing parity, more and more kind of your average, not your enthusiast, but your average person be like, you know, I'm going to buy an electric car. Well, I think Bloomberg or I forget who it was, but there was some article showing the numbers and just that we're already post peak for internal combustion engines, right? So they'll never come back to that number. And I think it was two years ago that we hit our peak for the volume of of that. But I still think it's going to be another, I think by 2030, you might have 40% of the cars are like, you'll still have a minority of cars in 2030. Yeah, because you so, buy a car and you keep it for 10 years, right? You know. Yeah, so what when it, what is the, the real time when electric, I guess it would depend on your definition, but I, I do believe we'll never get back to that normal. Highest. We'll always have an increasing percentage of electric vehicles going forward. Right. And I think COVID, again, proved that because electric was only slightly dented, if even that, whereas ice went all the way down to sales. So. Right. And how important are subsidies to this? I mean, you're obviously selling a high-end vehicle, but I know that like in Norway, for example, they've you know got a huge proportion of people buying electrics and especially Tesla's because it is so heavily subsidized in California. There's pretty hefty subsidies. Um, and it does feel like there's a whole, also a whole movement around cities, counties, and even some countries talking about banning or partially banning new internal combustion engine cars within the next few years, five years, 10 years. And presumably there's going to be more subsidy programs to kind of help kind of accelerate that shift. Yeah, I think Without subsidies and without legislation, you wouldn't have any change for vehicles. Tesla did it on its own and was doing well. But really, if you can drive, like I can drive from work and go to the Chevy dealer, that's a mile away from here, and there are 40 different versions of the Chevy Blazer sitting on the, in the parking lot right now. Like seriously, that many I drive by it all the time. Yeah. 
So until you have parity of being able to drive somewhere and see 40 different versions of an EV and say, well, I like the red one with the black interior, but not with the whatever, and get the exact one you want and go off the lot that day with it. Until you have parity like that, you're never going to have sales like that, right? And so I think all the legislation and all that kind of stuff is to get the, to get the automakers to actually get to that point. Because I think consumers are ready to buy. It's just just not nearly as easy to get an electric vehicle as it is anything else. Yeah. There's just millions of gas vehicles ready to buy right now. So there's no way you're going to switch over easily. It's, it takes a lot of work, I think. So all that legislation is to get the, you know, like the, the European ruling that every automaker that sells in Europe has to have a certain percentage of electric. Mm. That's what made the supercar, right? So now you have a car that can run electric for like 12 miles and then the rest kicks in. So that's the entire reason you have hybrid supercars is for that legislation. But the idea, of course, was to get them to start yeah. engineering for electric. And it works because now they're going to be coming out with many more all electric vehicles. So it's all about legislation. Right now. And who are you targeting with this? Because hundred grand for a truck is pretty expensive. Well, we've pre-sold a lot of our first year production already. And most of that is the B1 the SUV. How many pre-orders have you had? I hate to give out exact numbers, but... Because we just, we just, what we did recently actually is um, COVID delayed us a, a touch. And so uh, our first year of production is actually going to be twice as much as our originally we were planning. So our, our volume forecasts for how many we want to build are, are very, very low. So uh, we'll announce more of that stuff in a little bit. But it's, we're basically hand building these vehicles, right? Um, mm. First. But anyway, the, the idea is, I always wanted a company that was based on reality, like our social media, everything we tell you about the trucks is upfront. If it's not your thing, if it's not in your price range, if it's not what you want, of course, there's a million other options out there. But if you love our truck and you can afford it, obviously, I'd love for you to make a deposit on it. But I wanted to run as a, as a real company, if you will, where we cover the cost of the vehicle and we start making a profit in a few years. So... When I came out with that price point, I knew it was high, but it was, again, if you know what's in our vehicle, what we put into there, 140 kilowatt hour battery pack is huge. Six gearboxes, two motors, you know, all the capability it has, it's, it's, uh, that's what it comes to. What is your, because you're obviously coming at this from your startup, and then you look at, you know, GM or Ford. I mean, they're, they're in a way trying to kind of turn around super tankers. Because they're also coming out with their various different electric models. But that's obviously, you know, as we go on and if the shift continues, that is effectively obsoleting their core business. Not to mention the fact that they also have huge pension liabilities and dealer networks and all these big expenses. I mean, would you bet on some of them, of these legacy brands kind of going away or not really surviving the shift? No, because I think they'll still be able to sell a lot of gas vehicles for a very long time. And so even if, you know, GM, I think said they're going to have 20 different models by 2030 or 2025. So yeah. if, you, if you have 30 models on the parking lot, you know, you just each year offer two of them in electric and you'll just eventually get there and you'll just eventually switch everyone over. So I think they're, they're going to be very, what's the word? risk adverse about it yeah. and they'll, they'll make, they'll make it happen. So yeah, they got so much money behind them. Again, they could sell at a loss to get some market share. It'll still come down to, that's why our vehicle, we worked 
to make it completely different than anything that anyone is making or going to make. There's no one making a vehicle like ours, whether it's class three, you know, the only all electric class three truck, right? But all the capabilities of it, no one else is doing because I knew everything was going to be electric. So at some point, you're going to, it's just going to be complete parity. I've owned a Nissan Leaf and I've owned a Chevy Bolt. Chevy Bolt is a much better vehicle. And so you'll have all these models out there and you'll just compare price, you'll compare styling, you'll compare ease of use, you'll compare whether I want to buy American or not, that kind of stuff, the same way you do with gas. And in that whole discussion and comparisons kind of stuff, our truck is always out here to the left or to the right, yeah. if you want to look at it. <laughs> not in the middle, not in the middle of that fray. You know, we're doing our own thing. And so I figured that was the only way I could survive as a small company, you know, trying this crazy thing was just make something no one else is making and grab that, grab those people and own that. Right. How many times in your past five years did you think, what in the hell am I doing? This is not going to work. It's how many times last 24 hours. Um, (laughs) It's, it's constant. It's constant because it's crazy. It's like, obviously I didn't have an automotive background, which was actually good because I think if I was, if I came up through the ranks I would know how complicated this is. Yeah. It probably would have given me pause. So my uh, complete ignorance was helpful in, a, in in launching this. But it's just it's incredibly insane how complicated vehicles are. It's incredibly insane how complicated it is to work with vendors. Once they get what you're doing and they're on board, then they're wonderful to hire people. It's you know find the right people. It's just every single aspect of running a company is difficult. And then you throw on top of it this electric craziness, and it's just—it's been. Uh, I've definitely have been uh, tried many, many, many times. So, and did running a a hair care company for fifteen years? I presume there's got to be some transferable skills there. No. <laughs> yeah, one is like one is just never give up, and that's what we did with that. Because uh, even with hair care, you know, hair care, you have a million competitors, right? But uh, it's never give up. Work every minute on it. And then also trust your gut. That's where I learned most from, from my owner of the company, John Masters, the senior partner in it. Trust your gut. And then also all shampoos are basically made by third-party manufacturers, right? Labs make the stuff for you to your specifications. And we're going to be making our vehicles a third party. So that kind of like not crazy high capital intensive mode of operation is how I'm running this company. And that's definitely reflective of what I learned in healthcare. So how many people, how many people is it now? We're just now 44. So we're still relatively small, but we're going to double this year and then double again kind of stuff. But you know, all these people, I can't disappoint, right? It's, that, would, that would just, that would kill me. Well, I was going to say 44 people to create a totally new electric car yes. from scratch. That feels like, hiring wrong (laughs) that sounds impossible (laughs) but also hiring like you must that must be incredibly stressful to to try to find the right people or very difficult to actually kind of assemble a team if you're trying to be that lean and do what you're doing yeah and then we have to as a startup we have to pay the same salaries that ford is or yeah tesla is or rivian is right and sometimes more because you want to move them over to you so yeah, it's it's stressful. We're, we're finding great people, and again, I think across the board, like the people who get what we're doing 
and the ones who are putting down deposits, the ones who are coming here to want to work here, the ones who follow us, even if they uh, aren't going to buy one, but they love what we're doing. Right. They're all kind of, kind of come from the same mix, if you will. Just like, I love it because it's not anything else. Mm. And I can actually work on something and have a real say in it. Because if you're, if you're one of 44 people, you're definitely not in a corner designing one spring mechanism thing to go on that thing. You know, you're, you're working on the entire interior, you're working on the entire exterior, you're working on something like that. So the battery packs, the convert, you know, inverters, all that stuff. So yeah. because of that 44 people were obviously using outside engineering services, we're obviously using the engineering services that come with the vendors and they charge you a lot of money for that. You know, oh, you want to make that change to it? You know, <laughs> so we're paying out a lot of money and we have a lot of uh, reverberating layers of engineers outside of outside of our company, obviously. How much has it cost to get to this point? Uh, probably less than you would think, but uh, it's, yeah, it's tens and tens of millions of dollars, obviously. Right. But because we're not reinventing everything, remaking every single part ourselves, again, using outside services, but whatever, we don't need $10 billion to get a truck on the road. Yeah. You know, we need a couple hundred million to get on the road. So it's, it's more, it's a different kind of economics. And in terms of your your own personal kind of net worth, I mean, how big a, I'm just trying to understand it, like the kind of the risk for you. I mean, it's obviously a lot of money, but like if it failed tomorrow, you'd be okay. Or was it like, Ooh, if this doesn't work, like I got to go back to the shampoo industry. After we, I sold the company, <laughs> I was still, I still had one vehicle in one house. You know, I, I never, I did, I don't yeah. spend money. I still have t-shirts that are 15 years old. So um, if I hadn't done this, that money would have just, you know, I would have played it in the stock market maybe and grown it that kind of way. But like, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have been fun. If I wouldn't have used it for something that was a childhood dream. So yeah. You know, if it dies tomorrow, I'll just I'll I'll die tomorrow with it. But um, if if it doesn't go anywhere, I, I'm like I'll be fine because I can live off forty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, <laughs> if yeah, I yeah. have to. But we do have investors coming in now, so it's just it's, it's a, a different thing, thing, right? It's a whole other animal now. So yeah. What was your worst day of work? Worst day of work. I've had, there's been a number of them. What comes to mind is right before I revealed the truck, the week leading up to the reveal of the first prototype in 2017, because we had made it completely in secret, if you will. Oh, really? And we completely we completely made a truck that was just what we wanted to be in a truck. Yeah. So flat-sided, riveted, great for off-roading, but also, you know, all these different features on it. But we just, I just made a truck that I wanted. So when I, leading up to that reveal, I was basically throwing up <laughs> up until the moment of, of doing it, because I was so nervous about mm. how it was going to be accepted and, and would it work? And so the, re the response to it was so great that we kept going, obviously. If it hadn't been, it would have been over right then and there. And I've been like, oh, that was fun. But that was stressful on a completely different kind of level. That was putting my whole heart and soul out there, right? That was hard. But then obviously the response made up for it. But you know, in the past, we've had to change vendors mm. for certain reasons. And you know, oh, we got start we're starting over on this point or starting over on that point. Those are hard days, but... But it does feel like there's, um, just to go back to where we started, it feels like this summer in particular, it's been kind of a moment. Just the amount of money that's been raised by a bunch of electric car startups starting from, not necessarily a fresh sheet of paper, a lot of men are working at it in the background for a while. But like, I was talking to the CEO of Nikola, actually, and he was like, he thinks you and Nikola and Rivian and all these companies 
a few will survive and become like the the next kind of generation of car brands because aside from Tesla the last new car brand according to an analyst I spoke to was Hyundai which was in 1960 or something like this doesn't happen this doesn't happen that often what people are attempting now what you're attempting now it wasn't Hyundai even like backed by you know, a huge conglomerate. I don't think that started out in the same kind of way. Right. I could be wrong. What I heard since before Tesla, it was like 1933. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's why I was realistic about it. I was like, I don't, I'm not going out there saying we want to make a hundred thousand vehicles and try this craziness. I want to make something different and start here and grow to there. Right. So I'm trying to run it as a, you know, quote unquote real company. A lot of these companies, to be honest, that are getting huge money, they're throwing out huge numbers. And so they say, hey, we're going to sell an EV for $40,000 and we're going to make 200000 of them, whatever their numbers are. Yeah. And investors go, oh my God, I'm going to make so much money off of you. And they plunk trillion dollars on them, which of course helps them possibly succeed because now they got all their money. Yeah. But it's just extremely risky. Like, what are the odds you can do all that? Now they got billions of dollars and they're great. The risk is less, but still a lot of work to do. So. I'm just doing my thing. I've always known where I wanted to be, and it's different than what a lot of the other guys are doing, and that's perfect for us. Well, I wish you luck on the childhood dream Thanks. becoming reality. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Robert for taking the time to talk. I want to thank you guys, as ever, for listening, for putting in all those wonderful ratings and reviews, which I really, really do appreciate. And, you know, for for reading, of course, and subscribing to the Sunday Times. And if you want to hear more about electric cars, we have a big piece running this weekend about kind of the broader picture here, of which Bollinger is a part. So we include some of this interview in that. Anyhow... Another week. Done. Um, I hope you guys are staying safe and staying sane. And that's it. I will talk to you next week. Thanks again. Bye-bye. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.